Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Rick Harrow inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, and you're on the record. It's time to take a look at some creative ideas in sports, especially as we focus on the beginning of college and pro football seasons, hockey and basketball not far behind, baseball heating up, and on and on and on. In that context, let's look at deal-making issues of the week. Three to one. Three. Serrari lets users buy and trade fantasy sports NFTs using cash. Players can pay for and withdraw on player cards without a crypto wallet. And blockchain-based fantasy sports firm Serrari lets players purchase cards and complete other transactions using cash rather than cryptocurrency for the first time. The game combines the mechanics of traditional fantasy sports with the collectability of trading cards. Users acquire, trade, and assemble teams of NFTs representing real-life athletes receiving points based on their real-world performance. Cards are made available in various rarities with the price determined by market forces at the auction. Exchange for real cash, but until now, a requirement to have a crypto wallet, but they're expanding. And the launch of Cash Wallet is key to the goal of making Serrari as simple and user-friendly as possible for all sports fans. And the goal of making them now enabling managers to build their teams and collections using real-world or fiat currencies for the for the very first time. Two. Tom Brady at it again. The $600 million man has obviously set the standard for jersey sales, but how about Messi? He tops the list in 24 hours. His deal with the MLS debut in his five-goal spree, his number 10 jersey so intense, the demand, sold out immediately in all stores, leaving fans eagerly awaiting the restocking of this precious item. Missy's debut with Inter-Miami, nothing short of remarkable, milestone after milestone. We'll get the numbers, and clearly they are off the charts. One. The UFC brings more live fights and metaverse experience to Horizon Worlds and X-Stadium, period. MMA promotion, an enthusiastic adopter of metaverse technology. Nine live events for the rest of 2023. Horizon World Environment looks to engage fans and drive conversations. The Ultimate Fighting Championship increasing the number of live fights broadcast in 4K virtual reality through Meta's X Stadium and Horizon World's digital environments. Nothing in all sports matches the thrill and excitement of MMA, say they say, but the Meta Horizon is taking it to another level. The virtual stadium piece, an important part of the future, clearly now and beyond. Deal-making issue number one. And what a significant transition to talk about stadiums, virtual and otherwise, than clearly where we are. The bottom line is this is a situation where HKS, as we've talked about before, other stadium and architectural developers, are boosting on getting ahead of the curve. But the curve changes every day. That particular firm, 85-year-old, founded by Harwood K. Smith, has about 1,500 professionals and 
record revenues of a half billion dollars. But we've talked about them and others before about stadium development. How about the economics of developing health care, government facilities, corporate facilities? A lot of this depends on taking creative ideas and applying them all across the board. Sheba Ross, the global practice director for Cities and Communication, gives us a quote that that gives us an idea of her whole perspective. She has said in many presentations that design is not just about what the world sees, but also about how it makes the world feel. Fairly nebulous, but really, really important. When you think about what they've done at Hokkaido, the new stadium for Japanese baseball, Globe Life Field, where the post-COVID All-Star game was played, soccer, station soccer, a FIFA integration, and on. We can talk about sports facilities until we're blue in the face, but when we pick up real traction, it's the ability to take concepts that can apply to a whole host of opportunities like uh, cities, communities, hospitality, healthcare, government, and apply them across the board. That's when you get real traction. And this is a best possible opportunity to introduce and learn more from Sheba Ross. Sheba's uh, uh, perspective is not only uh, killed it at the University of Colorado, Denver, but she has a BA uh, from Anna University in India and obviously covers the globe. Uh, The environmentally driven and culturally defined projects reflecting commitments to buildings. But the bottom line is that there is uh, respect not only to the property line uh, to reimagine project boundaries, uh, but also beyond. It's a totally immersive experience. Talk to us about that. You know, the best analogy I can use, uh, Rick, is uh, the fact that we're all on that same game board. So let's think about chess and checkers. Both of them are actually played on the same game board, but if you think about checkers, all the pieces are the same and there's just one way by which you can move, but it's not that same way in chess. You have to know the unique strengths of each of those pieces. So I really think that the work we do through our cities and communities projects, through our intersections with sports and health and commercial mixed use is it is, it's a game of chess. It is trying to find out those unique qualities and work through for the benefit of our communities, ultimately because it's all about people. I had the benefit of listening to some of your uh, top flight speeches. One of the things that you said was that design is not just about what the world sees, but it also about how it makes the world feel. What do you mean? Well, so the, the best way to define that is by answering the question, what's the plus? You know, every time there is a client who reaches out to us, it is because of a fundamental need. There is a need to add 400 beds. There is a need to bring in 200,000 square feet of uh, commercial uh, office spaces. There is a need for uh, to build a stadium. Uh, but that is really the task. The impact is when we ask, 
what's the plus and that's beyond really what is visually seen in our built environment it is about understanding how can we fill a gap in a community whether it is because they're underserved with lack of access to education it's because they don't have access to sports and play or it could be that you want to boost the economy by making the right connections with uh, small businesses. So um, when I said that, and that was actually very early in my career, when I noticed whether I was shifting between the rural cities of India, looking at how life happens in areas uh, in India, but coming into the U.S. and seeing how distinctly different each of the community is, it uh, Made me, made me understand that the memories of a place are much beyond by just what the visuals are. So the work that we get to do, uh, Rick, whether it is our transit-oriented development projects and um, our waterfront developments, we are really um, doing more than buildings. You know, buildings, of course, are a physical manifestation of the work that we get to do and we bring in the experience, we are creating these memories, but um, we're also fostering purpose. In some ways, we are shifting mindsets. We are changing what people uh, think about transit. We are changing the game experience, what people think about sports, the power of sports as an equalizer that comes through the kind of design work uh, we do. We are in some ways elevating dignity where there is an underserved population or where two generations don't have the ability to mix meaningfully, design can actually bring all of that together. And simultaneously, we're also working with making sure that we are meaningfully responding to the environment. There are some areas that have a high flood risk or there is a great onset of fires and uh, the privilege that we have is that design can actually address that. Well, in a way, you're misbranded. Uh, in the leather helmet days when I was doing stadium stuff and I was looking at how to get deals done quickly, you took a round little cookie cutter and you built it and you called it Vet Stadium in Philly or Three Rivers in Pittsburgh or Riverfront Cincinnati, and they were all the same. And, oh, you mean a football field is rectangular? Well, that's tough. So you're going to have a whole lot of space that nobody uses because you got to have the baseball field in there and architects designed it. The description you just put together, Sheba, with all due respect, is way more than what a lot of people feel is architectural. How do you how do you deal with that? How do you how do you tell the client they're not hiring an architect, but they're hiring a problem solver? Well, it comes through building that trust, Rick. And um, I think, of course, we are going to manifest the idea in a physical building. But when I mentioned that phrase, what's the plus, it's uh, trying to elevate that just by designing a meaningful lobby space or uh, designing a meaningful concourse that we could do something beyond, that it becomes this gallery of thoughts for the rest of the community. So a quick answer would say that we would demonstrate the value of answering that question, what's the plus, through design itself. Um, I'm not sure whether you know about this uh, statistic, but 60% of our health is actually determined by our zip code, which means that our zip code actually matters more than our genetic code. And what are zip codes made up of? They're made up of buildings. So when we meet 
with developers, we talk about the opportunity beyond the boundaries of the building itself, but making sure that that building is fully functional. So, but the reason we're able to do that is because of the foundation of architecture. Um, I'm an architect. I worked as an architect before I went into the specialization of urban design and urban planning. And uh, one of the reasons I love working where I work is because we work very closely with architects. So this is not just a visionary idea. It's actually an actionable framework urban design, urban planning, you look at your credentials and you had a hand in many things, but stadiums, great, but corporate buildings, Great West Life, Georgia State University, Piedmont Atlanta Hospital, uh, Cutter Healthcare Facility, the Action Plan, uh, the East Hospital uh, Project in Chattanooga, and on and on. The point is, these are all uh, principles that can be applied across the board, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Like, so, you, you know, you mentioned uh, Qatar and uh, Qatar, we were actually working for a healthcare facility, but the framework we came up with when we were meeting with the Ministry of Public Health, they could actually see that it could be applied even to the way convention centers could be uh, placed, that the web diagram that we had created could be applied in the context of uh, venues. And, and that's really the value of multidisciplinary thinking. The, the fact that we have a very collaborative design environment, Mike and I have actually recently been in a lot of charrettes and each one brings in a different lens. And I think that's the value of bringing that multidisciplinary thinking to, towards one particular challenge. So, Sheba, there's a lot of mixed community benefits, a lot of multi-purpose audiences we talk about. Uh, we know that the World Cup, very important, coming to the U.S., Canada, Mexico. Uh, station soccer, a big deal. FIFA involved, including the communities. Tell us a little bit about that special project. Station Soccer is an incredible project, Rick. So we got involved in Station Soccer when Soccer in the Streets, which is an organization that has basically looked at what does it mean to make um, soccer accessible to every uh, growing student, actually. And uh, they enhanced that idea by looking at all of these transit stations and just the negative space, the vacant land, the unused land next to the transit station. And they asked the question, what if soccer fields were brought in there to knit the community together? So HKS was brought in to actually build a cohesive vision because soon in Atlanta, there were 10 stations that could be part of the League of Stations. And instead of having it as an ad hoc development, they've been looking at it as an enhanced cohesive vision framework. And the beauty of it is that there are soccer fields that are already built, and this has completely filled a gap in. It, it has actually leveled the playing field where there are communities who where you have to pay to actually play soccer. This particular um, league of stations provides access, but the plus, like we've been talking about, is building the youth of the community. So providing educational uh, programs, giving spaces for areas like community gardens, art to be displayed. And the role of a designer is to think about what is the program that can be brought in in a way that meaningfully inserts itself in the DNA of a community. And uh, what has unleashed out of all of this uh, intersection is the conversation of the World Cup 
because the World Cup is being uh, housed in several cities, in several stadiums built by HKS. But in Atlanta, it's different. The experience is going to transcend stadiums and it's going to be in these different neighborhoods where there is a station soccer field already at play, which means we are thinking about what is this experience going to be when you bring players from across the globe, but you also bring fans and you bring all this investment from all around the world and you're making this a very purposeful impact. So we are looking at creating these fields. So the first thing that we put in are the two soccer fields, but then we are enhancing it either with adding libraries, adding actually spaces for mobile health trucks, for providing areas of uh, community gardens and educational programs so that not just the youth, but all, but every resident can be empowered to live a meaningful life in these areas. Your CEO, Dan Noble, made a comment at one point where he said one of the keys to your development opportunity is skate to where the puck is going, not to where it's been, which is a kind of an interesting analogy in another sport. Sounds like your reference to station soccer not only can apply to Atlanta, but other communities that have transit destinations, whether it's for FIFA and World Cup or for other community development, sports-oriented, education-oriented things that a government has some control or leverage over. Am I, am I right? Absolutely. In fact, uh, cities like Charlotte, Denver, San Francisco, they've already visited and met with uh, station soccer leaders who have taken them on a tour and uh, shown them the impact of this kind of an intervention in our cities. Rick, you must have heard we are um, working on a project with Austin, uh, Austin Transit Partnerships Project Connect which is extending uh, transit access to the rest of the city. And while it might not be soccer that fills the gap, this idea that something that brings the community together does not have to be through a building, that it could be in the space between buildings. This is an idea that's going to be tested across different um, cities in USA, but you're also seeing this now become a pattern in the rest of the world. Um, I come from India and I know that uh, a cricket field next to the train stations will be a huge hit. Sheba Ross gives us some perspective about why a firm that's basically architectural, or at least that's the brand, has data scientists, engineers, economists, artists, brand strategies, anthropologists, and others. And now we know why. Diversity, maximizing revenue, and enhancing the experience. How about technology? Your Sports Tech Minute. Bluestone Equity Partners invested about $30 million in venue tech firm PMY Group. They deliver technology solutions to 100 venues, 1,000 venues, including the Paris Olympics and Wimbledon among its clients. Global sports, media, and entertainment private equity firm Bluestone has invested $30 million and more. They have designed digital scoreboards, acoustics, and lighting. At 29 of the NFL venues, 28 of the MLB venues, and continue to move forward in that space. Take a look at where they're going. They'll be in all of these venues in a very short period of time. That's your Sports Tech Minute. Now gaming. Loot Mogul launches MogulIX.ai, a community-driven AI game engine for athletes, fans, and game developers. Here we are with AI again. 
the dedicated community project to drive collaboration and AI development in the sports tech industry. Athletes, fans, brands, game developers can leverage Loot Mogul's open AI architecture to create their non-player characters, NPC, a.k.a. AI avatars, can be trained in supervised and unsupervised manners by the creator. They've signed 312 college and pro athletes, WNBA, NBA, NFL, MLB, UFC, Loot Mogul's total reach through 104 million people. Big deal, but it also gives us some wide diversity in the gaming space as well as the NFT space. Look for them to be a major player in the future as well. That's your Sports Gaming Minute. And now, as we usually do, focus on Good Sports 5, philanthropy and athleticism. Pittsburgh student-athletes can make money from their sport with a new partnership. Duquesne, University of Pittsburgh, NIL stores opening all over the Pittsburgh area. They'll soon open a store for athletes in, in, in and around Duquesne. More and more money for everybody. Alabama football embraces philanthropy at its charity luncheon. Nick Saban's arrival to Tuscaloosa has allowed this particular organization, the Alabama football program's Crimson Tide Dynasty lunch uh, opportunity and charity opportunity through its 501c3, has donated nearly $12 million to causes and endeavors. Nick and Terry Saban. Deion Sanders reiterates the conference realignment, all about money. A week later than the school closely tied to Nike, selling out this year. Money, we understand, but conference realignment changes daily. The Zone integrates Fanatics e-commerce platforms to drive in-app merchandise sale. Both of all of these companies, Gary Gertzog, the president of business affairs for Fanatics, says using the user base, billing information, and data assets can create something greater than the sum of its parts, to, uh, uh, to drive both engagement, revenue, and philanthropy. Then finally, sports betting doing wonders for women athletes. More people tune into games when they see money riding on it. That's pretty obvious, but women's sports makes up a small fraction of the $93 billion in bets legal sports books handled in 2022, but the steady growth in wagers for women's sports is incredibly good for the business. Tennis basketball, cricket, men's and women's, showed a 10% annualized compounded growth from 17 to 22. Like to thank people like Sheba Ross and others from HKS. We'll have more from them in a future podcast just down the road. We'd like to thank Nick Nielsen and Kali Kazar for putting this together with me. Like to thank you all for listening and watching. Sports professor Rick Harrow, Joining us next time when we go inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. Speak with you soon.